You're listening to Therapy for Your Money, a podcast about all things money and finance for therapy practice owners. If you want to feel confident and in control of your financial life, then you've come to the right spot. I'm your host, Julie Harris. I'm an accountant and the owner of Green Oak Accounting. My firm specializes in working with private practices across the U.S., and my team and I have worked with hundreds of private practice owners. I'm on a mission to share all the best practices I've learned along the way because I want you to have a profitable private practice. My book, Profit First for Therapists, is finally available for pre-sale. I am so excited about this book. I've poured my heart and soul into it, and I've shared every tip and trick that I've got on how to implement Profit First in private practice. I've taken the tried and true Profit First system and really, really customized it to the industry. In this book, though, I'm not just giving you Profit First. I also included things like scaling your practice, team compensation, paying down debt. So there's a whole lot of other things that are that are helpful for starting or growing your practice and really all around financial literacy for practice owners. I also have a lot of fun bonuses available for you if you pre-order before May 2nd. If you go to ProfitFirstForTherapists.com, you'll get all the details. There's a link to pre-order the book now you'll also be able to redeem your bonuses. There are things like early access to all of our tools and templates that are in the book. And if you buy three books or more, there are additional bonuses available to you as well. You'll also be entered into a raffle where you can win a Profit First strategy session with me, Julie Harris. You can find the book at most online retailers like Amazon and Barnes & Noble as well. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Therapy for Your Money. Today, we are chatting with the lovely Lindsay Bonham. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Julie? Good. I'm so excited to have you on today. Um, the topic we talked about is perfectionism and money. Mm-hmm. And I love this topic so much. <laughs> There's just so much to unpack here. So why don't yes. we start by, before I get ahead of myself, tell yeah. our listeners a little bit about you sure. um, and then we'll go right into perfectionism. Okay. Um, so I'm Lindsay Bonham. Uh, I am a therapist turned money and business coach. Um, so I'm a social worker by training, but at this point I do, all I do is help therapists with their relationship with money and building their skills around money. Um, mostly through my signature course, money skills for therapists. Um, also have a podcast money skills for therapists. So, uh, kind of bridging that gap between the therapist world, that really like emotional space that we tend to inhabit as therapists and like the numbersy world that can feel just like complete Greek. Uh, if you don't speak Greek, if you do speak Greek, (laughs) I I substitute a different language, (laughs) but I see myself as bridging that space. Um, and basically doing numbers for feelings people. Yeah. And, and before we started recording, we were also chatting, like, it's not uncommon for people to cry in their one-on-one with you, yes. right? Yes. Which is like, it's not really, most people don't cry in front of a spreadsheet. Yeah, like, not, There's so much emotion yeah. behind numbers. Sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, you know, in the work that we do in money skills and, and just in general, um, in the work that I do, I really hold the emotional present and make space for those like painful stories about money that you got from childhood or about your beliefs, about your abilities from childhood. Those can be present with committing to learn how to use a spreadsheet. Um, And in fact, I think, you know, my belief is that it's only by doing that work, even if it's just the work of identifying like, oh, there's this story I have about being bad at math from my mean grade two math teacher. that I'm going to let go of because what does she know what she was talking about that clears up space to learn new skills and to learn how to, how to money. And like, and just overall be a better 
business owner and steward of your money. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Like those skills, you know, once we release those, those emotions and those stories, those ripple out into so many areas of our business and life. All right. Well, so let's get this party started. Um, I mean, speaking of perfectionism, like why do therapists specifically seem to really struggle with perfectionism and money? Yes. So as a, as a type, generally speaking, therapists, like we tend to be uh, people pleasers and helpers, right? And often that is our nature before we get into the work. I think so many therapists get into the work because that's who we already were. Mm-hmm. And we were already like that person who all of our friends came to for advice, you know, or who like kind of eased things in the family and like kept like the family dynamic working well. We were already playing those kinds of roles. And then it was like, oh, well, I could also do this for work uh, and get yeah. really good at it and get paid for it. So with those types of tendencies, I think of um, being good, <laughs> you know, like I'd, I'd lump a lot of those things about being like the the peacemaker and the helper and um, the one who smooths things over. A lot of that is about being good, right? Like in a very yeah. general sense, right? It's about being, we're used to being good at things, right? And to being contained. I also think that therapists tend to be very competent humans. <laughs> That's a bias. <laughs> yeah, yeah I would agree. <laughs> but, you know, we're used to... Um, uh, as as therapists, we have to like hold multiple stories and pieces of information and modalities in our mind. And like, you know, when we've really honed that skill set, we're usually very good at being good at things. Um, and this is not something that we're good at. So that that combination of like wanting to be good at things, trying to be good, trying to be contained, follow the rules, you know, like making everybody else's life easier in doing that. Um, so that piece about like being contained and being good. Uh, naturally is to perfectionism, right? Like perfectionism is about being small. It's about being controlled. It's about being disciplined. If you're perfect, then you're not wrong. And if you're perfect, then you're good, right? So those traits, I think that like have allowed so many of us to develop the skills that make us really good therapists also can really work against us in general with being perfectionists, but especially when it comes to money, because that's not something that we tend to be good at. naturally. So when you're perfectionistic about something that's not a natural skill set, then we can really get into a bind. Okay. So how, what is the, what is the impact there? And I feel like I have some opinions because I see all the time, like what I want to hear your, your. Yes. So yeah, I want to hear yours too in a sec. So what I have noticed is when we have perfectionism around money, when therapists have that perfectionism, um, often they just end up abandoning the project, right? It's like, if you can't do it perfectly and, and we'll have different stories about what perfect means, right? Like if yeah. I can't um, be paying down my debt at this certain rate, or if I can't be using this specific like accounting software, uh, or if I can't be uh, seeing the numbers that I'm supposed to see, whatever the rules are that we've taken on, you know, and that we've absorbed that would make us perfect and good. Often, if we can't accomplish those things, the easiest and most natural thing to do is just abandon it right? Avoid it. Just don't do it, right? It's like, if I can't make my numbers perfect, I'm just not going to do them. So rather than actually making progress and like getting some things done, often what happens that what I see is that therapists avoid their finances like all year until Mm -hmm. tax time. And then it's like, oh shit, then they have to do all of it. Um, And then they end up in a very um, just painful, painful period of time of trying to catch up on everything. So largely I see just this avoidance that comes out of it. And also that perfectionism. The second thing that I see is like, it just feeds this negativity about money and finances, right? Because it's like, you, you want to be able to do it right. I'm putting right in quotations for folks listening to the podcast. (laughs) You want to be able to do it right. You can't do it right. So every time you go to do it, you have 
so much opportunity for your inner critics to pop up and tell you all sorts of terrible things about yourself and your abilities and your intelligence. And then it just deepens this, um, basically like a phobia. There's even more reason to avoid it, right? Because there's just this like negative piling on that happens for us. Yeah. It just gets bigger and, and, and bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, what we see often on the accounting side is something like I personally call ostrich syndrome. Right? Yes, I remember exactly. like the ostrich, uh, yes. like, at least in the cartoons of my childhood, they yes. put their head, head in, in the sand. sand. That's real. I've seen that. Yes. Head, in real life. Head, yes. Uh, you know, bottom is up and <laughs> yes. then they're fully exposed, but think that because they don't see right. it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Right? It does not yes. exist. And so we see that manifest in like clients with a stack of unopened IRS letters yes. or like those, you know, just because you don't open them doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Right. The problem yeah. is there is just getting worse while you don't oh answer, gosh, yes. or I don't have, I didn't save enough money for taxes. So let me just not deal with it. And yes. then three years later, you have three years of unpaid taxes and that balloons into like this big giant problem that is really exactly really challenging to get into. So instead of like just one step in front of the other, let me talk to the accountant. Um, But we also see clients, like if they are in a difficult situation financially, um, sometimes clients will just ghost us for a while. Mm, Like they will just disappear. Right. And we we usually try to make sure like, Hey, are you okay? Like, are you alive? Mm -hmm. Are you, Mm -hmm. can we have a proof of life? Um, You know, if you have, if you're dealing with something and you need to take, you know, to, to, take a little time. We get that, but, um, there, sometimes it gets to a point where we're concerned for their physical, like, are you right? Like are <laughs> physical you, signs of life, please. Yeah. Yes. And I love that observation about the metaphor. Cause I also use the ostrich metaphor. Cause it's perfect. Like yeah. in my masterclass that I teach, like I have an image of like an ostrich, with ostrich. head in the okay. sand, but you're so right. Like you feel safe, but you're actually very exposed. Like now you literally can't see what's happening around you. And yeah, those, there are problems that are possibly adding up and building up. And like, I just had a conversation yesterday with a therapist in my course, who's like super lovely. And she was like, yeah, I think my taxes were never paid for 2021. And my accountant kind of disappeared. So probably I owe those two. And I'm like, just go on the IRS website, (laughs) like poke around, maybe find out. Right. Because it's like, yeah, when, when we're hiding, those penalties are adding up or, or whatever other financial, cause like there can be real financial messes that get worse and worse when we avoid them. Yeah. And when it comes to the IRS, um, the problem isn't going away, right? Usually yeah, that's true. They're not going to forget about you. Usually there's a certain amount of time that you have to respond. Um, mm-hmm. and the IRS is very much try, very much tries to help people who respond. So mm-hmm. if you get the notice, yes. you do something yes. about it, yes. you even call or write to say they're very antiquated. If you write and say, I need more time, they usually will give it to you in most, most phases, not all yes. phases, but in most, um, and just from having been the accountant opening, you know, 10 IRS letters, I know yeah. there's always this big, like a sigh of relief when you finally know what's going totally. on, right? Of like, okay, well, at least I know now this is what it is. Like, let's tackle it. But there's yeah. also people who can be on your side and like, you don't actually have to talk to the IRS. Yes. You can, people can do that for you. <laughs> yes. If you just let them know what's going on. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, like to, you know, loop it back. It's like that, that perfectionism that like not wanting, you know, I think perfectionism is, is the belief that like, if I'm not perfect, I'm not okay. Right. Yeah. Like it's and whatever perfect is. Cause I, as I say, I'm like putting in quotations because there is no perfect when it comes right. to money, but by us trying to be so fixated on doing it right, that we avoid, we actually do end up potentially doing it wrong in cases like that, where it's like, they just want you to respond. 
the IRS, the CRA in Canada is the same way. If you call and have a conversation with them, they're actually really helpful uh, and will like figure something out with you. But if you don't engage, yeah, then it gets worse and worse. It it keeps getting worse. So I, like it's, it snowballs, just, yeah. I guess we have the same experience then yeah. that the perfectionism sometimes leads to, you know, just complete avoidance. Yes. Um, but here I would also say, uh, it goes back to the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best mm. time is today, right? The yes. same applies here. Like mm, so it, true. it doesn't matter what, if you, if you've been avoiding something, can yeah. you do something about it today? Today. I think that makes a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So how do you recommend that therapists shift out of perfectionism? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a couple phrases that I use, like in the coaching that I do in money skills for therapists around this, that I find myself saying uh, again and again. And some of these are just mindset pieces to get in place. Uh, The first one um, is uh, perfect is the enemy of done. Mm, Right. And I see that even with money skills where people get like, they're like, "I, I don't know which system to choose. So they just stay frozen. And it's like, you know, trying to find the perfect solution, right? The best thing to do is to try. Yeah. And then you get to find out, right? So the this the state of mind that I find can be so powerful to combat perfectionism is curiosity. To just let yourself try something and just see what it's like, right? So like, for instance, if you do have a perfectionistic idea around uh, what tool you need to use or how much mm-hmm. you need to save for XYZ, it's like, try it and then notice, hmm, is this tool feeling like the right tool for me? Am I getting the information back that I want? Right? Like there's, with curiosity, there's a loosening that happens where it's just like, I'm just going to take an information and be flexible. And in curiosity too, there's always the possibility that I'm going to do it differently. Maybe I'm going to try to do my own books for six months and be curious. And then I'm going to be like, it's time to hire a bookkeeper. That's what I've discovered in my journey, right? But there's like this real softening that happens with curiosity and curiosity also allows us to get our thinking brain back online. It gets us out of that like tight, like, oh, I'm failing. I don't know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Like all the thoughts that can come with perfectionism, but like, oh, I've got to, I just remembered I have to do this thing in my basement. (laughs) Get up, walk away, (laughs) never come back. Yeah, never come back. There's so much tightness to perfectionism and curiosity is like a loosening and a being with and a just observing um, in whatever it is that you're trying to do or learn that can really help to notice. And then the other thing that I say to folks and, and Julie, you might have a different perspective as an accountant, but like, I say like, there, there is no perfect with finances. Like that last like 5% that you could drive yourself crazy to find those last two expense receipts yeah. probably are never going to be relevant because you're probably not going to get audited. And if you are that $10 of receipts, <laughs> is not going to matter. But also like, it's probably going to make such a marginal difference that it might not be worth your time, right? Like letting yourself, like, I think about like, get it to 90% and the rest is like, probably not very consequential um, in terms of what else you could be doing with your time, right? Like spending time with somebody that you love, finding another client who's a perfect fit. Like these are the things that actually have more financial impact than having your spreadsheet perfectly lined up. Yeah. So absolutely. it's putting those things into perspective too, that can help you realize like, nah, perfect is not actually going to make my life better here. And, and sometimes that's why you also have a tax pro or someone mm-hmm. else. Like, can you get it close enough? Yes, exactly. But then they can take over. Yes. That also makes a lot of sense. And then totally. something is always better than nothing. And like, exactly. Can, can you look at simple practice or therapy notes? Like, can you look at your revenue report? Can you do yeah. 
something related yes. to money. Yeah. Yes. And any other tips at, around like just shifting out of the perfection and mm-hmm. just doing? Yeah. Well, I mean, if we want to talk about just doing, I think something that can be really helpful is for folks to identify what is a micro dosing amount of finances that you can do, right? Switch There's this, <laughs> this concept of micro dosing. Is yeah. that, when I say that, does that make sense, Julie? Yeah, it totally yeah, yes, does. Like, yes. what can you do in like a little, a little yes. sliver of something? Let's give you a little bite, a little bite-sized bit. Um, because something else that with money that I, um, you know, talk about with my students and think about with my students is a lot is, when we're making progress, it can be really hard to take in our, our wins and people, especially if you have perfectionism, the tendency is avoid, 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 avoid. Okay. Now I've been bad. I need to catch up. I need to punish myself. No fun allowed this weekend. I have to spend all weekend (laughs) compiling my receipts and information for the entire year. Um, and in that there is, I think an underlying narrative of I'm punishing myself because I deserve it because I messed up right? So what are we doing there? We are completely reinforcing the belief that finances are terrible and the worst thing you could ever do because we've actually just created like a punitive, terrible experience for ourselves. Yeah, I did. I did. I hadn't thought of it that way. Doing like a whole year of work in, you know, a weekend or whatever amount of time you you can manage to get it done. Whereas with microdosing, what we can do is just be like, okay, today I'm going to like literally do 10 minutes of work on my finances. I'm going to set a timer. And when the timer's done, if I'm done, I can be released. Like if, if when it's done, I'm like, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to do anymore. You know, I'm going to open my bank account and I'm going to print off like one bank statement. Right. Or I'm going to like check my credit card and like, see if I can make a little bit of an extra payment this month, like so little, but give yourself that, like do that little five minute task, 10 minute task. I would say if, if you have phobia, (laughs) if like the thought of being with your money is stressful, like no more than 15 or 20 minutes. Right. And then you get to be done taking the fact, like I did something that I thought was going to be terrible. Let yourself be curious. How terrible was it? Right. Did you die? Uh, what horrible things happened? Probably nothing. Maybe you discovered some information you didn't like if that happened, then what happened? Okay. You were like now figuring out how to deal with it, but let yourself take that in as a win and then microdose again the next week or at the end of that week, right? Like give yourself those little bits because that lets you see that like you can be with it. You can make progress. You're making progress and you're letting yourself see that you're making progress, but you're also not punishing yourself and setting up a really terrible experience. That's just going to reinforce all the negative beliefs, but that ultimately we need to undo to let go of perfectionism and money. Yeah. So what you're describing reminds me a whole lot of the book Atomic Habits by James Mm -hmm. Clear. Yeah. yeah. He talks about like people go, let's say they're, they're wanting to start exercising. Let's go from zero to 60 minutes a day, or I might as well just do nothing. He talks about like, can you put your shoes right next to your sink in the morning? So you brush your teeth, you put your shoes on right there, right there. Can you go for five minutes? Yes. And like just doing the the microdosing, you just call it something different. And I've, Simple. I've been literally doing that to build yeah. a habit around rowing. My partner and I bought a rowing machine, which I've been joking is a very middle-aged thing to do. We're like, well, we're, we're in around 40, got to buy a rowing machine. Because <laughs> um, both of us, you know, like work at home, it's easy sure. to not exercise enough, or, yeah. you know, we're getting older. And so we got the rowing machine. And at first I think I had this idea of like, well, I have to be able to do a lot and I can't, therefore rowing is not right for me. But then I just made this deal with myself of like, I'm going to, when I get up in the morning, before I have breakfast, before I make a tea, which is always the first thing I do, before I get too far into the New York Times, 
I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to row for two rock songs. I give myself two rock songs. songs. Rock songs are somewhere between three and a half and five minutes. So we're talking like probably eight minutes. Yeah. And I did that for the, you know, I did two songs and the next time I let myself do two more songs. And then the next time I was like, I think I could do three songs. Uh, This morning I got up to five songs and the way that I got up to five songs without literally dying was by letting myself have little wins and be like, I did two songs. That's amazing. I accomplished what I set out to do. This is a win. I don't need to do the rowing machine for another two days. <laughs> Pat on the back. Yeah. Move on. Right. And like by also taking in that win, like you do build the confidence, right? Because you let yourself have wins rather than being like, well, if like if we believe perfectionism, well, I didn't do an hour, so I'm still out of shape and I'm not where I was when I was 22, then we're just giving ourselves this continual experience of losing. <laughs> which is terrible. Right. And you're still getting like, and it, it it's taking a, a much smaller piece of your day also, yes. right? When you're doing two songs, yeah. like, yeah, I, can I do something? For, do I have eight minutes? Yeah, yeah. I have eight minutes. Like I, yes. can, I can figure out a way. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Like I can't justify not even with getting my son ready for school. The reality is I have eight minutes. Yeah. 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 You can usually make that work in yeah. most cases. <laughs> Um, Lindsay, this has been such a good conversation. I want to ask you, um, I ask all of our guests, what is your favorite business book and why? Yes. And I haven't read a lot of business books lately. I'm going to be honest. I'm, well, I mean, I'm always honest, but I, I do, I want to make a totally different kind of recommendation. Can I do that? Do it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, cause I'm thinking about, um, you know, resilience and doing hard things and just like being with. And a book that I read recently that um, made quite an impact is Wintering by Catherine May. It is not a business book at all. Uh, But what I appreciated so much about the book is it was about basically like slowing down and being present. And there's a chapter in that book about cold water swimming I know this seems very not finances adjacent, but it is cold water swimming where okay. she talks about letting yourself do hard things and doing resilient things to take in the experience of being resilient and in doing so building resilience that I think perfectly connects to what we were just talking about, right? Of like, whether it's exercise, whether it's cold water swimming, whether it's like working on your finances, like doing something and letting yourself take that in as a win to build your confidence and resilience and your willingness to do it again. Cause you realize like, Oh, that was hard. And I did it. So I could do it again and I could do it again and I could do it again. Um, and there's some like deep philosophical thing there for me that just really fits with like, you know, the, the work that I'm doing with therapists around finances. So are you going to try cold water swimming? Cause that sounds uh, like torture Julie, to me. <laughs> on Sunday, which was three days ago, four days ago, I did an ice plunge. Did you really? I did. I did. I've been wanting to do it for a while. We have a cousin who's very into it. And I read Catherine. I've read that chapter of Catherine May's books twice. Cause I was like, I'm going to do it. So like, literally, like I live in Canada, Ontario, my cousin-in-law broke up ice on the surface of this tank that he uses for it. And I sat in ice water for five minutes and you know what? I could have gone longer. You survived. Uh, and- I survived. Well, you, you have three kids. I have yeah. one kid. I did natural childbirth. That was a lot yeah, harder I mean, than this. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to say like that experience that I had, it seems extreme, uh, but it's not actually as dangerous as, as you think. But by doing that on Sunday, I've had this glow this week, Julia, of like, I can do hard things. I did this thing on Sunday that everybody thinks I'm literally insane for. Yeah. Uh, and it was actually 10 times easier than I thought. And like, I could do it again. It has been this like resilience boost for me. And it's made doing hard things easier all week. 
That is so interesting. That is fascinating to me. Yeah. Uh, so I, congratulations on the ice plunge. Thank you. Uh, you will not find me there. At no, least you're not coming. Okay. In my life. <laughs> I do not like the cold, but maybe someday. Yes. Yes. I'm fairly cold resilient, but I, I've been intrigued by it and I really enjoyed it. And I'm going to do it again this weekend. Uh, resilience building. Resilience is one of my words for the year. Uh, but I think that, yeah, seeing yourself do hard things and taking in the success of doing hard things starts to, I think, inoculate you against like the fear that can keep us stuck. Yeah. So as a way to unstick yourself, yeah, all kinds of different things to try, including ice plunging. <laughs> um, Lindsay, if our listeners are interested in working with you, yes. you do a whole lot of coaching within your program. Where can they find you? Yes. Um, so on Instagram, they can find us at money nuts and bolts. Um, and I also have a podcast money skills for therapists podcast. Um, and if they're, if you're curious about, working with me, or if you want like one of our, our freebies, our little bite-sized bits, um, you can go to moneynutsandbolts.com and you'll also see a link there for money skills for therapists, which is the course. If you want to learn more about how to join. Perfect. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you, Julie. If you're looking for accounting help, head over to therapyforyourmoney.com slash accounting to find information about my accounting firm and all of our specialized services just for private practice owners. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Just head over to iTunes, click on ratings and reviews, and give us a quick shout out. We really appreciate it. The information contained in this podcast represents the host and guest's general opinions and should not be construed as personalized accounting and tax advice. Listeners should consider all facts and circumstances before applying this information and seek appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. Any info provided does not constitute accounting, tax, or legal advice. 